Good morning and welcome to the End Times Guide podcast. Such an honor and a privilege to have you here with me today, to be out on the road under a beautiful blue sky. Grass is green, the trees are bright. Man, the whole world is packed full of the glory of God. You know, nature just praises the Lord God through every season. You know, it's much easier to see in the spring, but even the snow is a praise to God. I've seen man-made snow. It's rather disgusting and mutated looking and really nasty. And God's snow is just a wonder, a miracle of design. You know, in human terms, we look at a straight line in the rocks in nature and we say, uh, that looks like design. That looks like human engineering. There's a monument off the coast of Japan about, I believe it's, only 200 meters, 300 meters below the ocean surface. It's a great big monument. It's all rock and it's got ledges and shelves cut in straight lines. There's tremendous debate over whether this is man-made or not. Um, Our, I guess you would say our standard of measure for human design is very, very low. We look at a right angle on stone and we perceive human design we look at a snowflake and it's so much higher than that incredibly geometric patterns each one unique and man is willing to accept that as random (laughs) it baffles my mind that we don't see the glory of god in nature all around us i want to talk to you today about freedom because honest to goodness if i ask the average canadian Here in my home country, I'm ashamed to say that's Canada. If you ask the average Canadian if they're free, they will say, sure, I'm free. Of course, I'm free. And I think their standard of freedom is just as low as their standard of man-made design. Um, It's very, very low. I'm not in jail, therefore I'm free. But when you really break down what freedom is, we're, we're very not free. There is very, very little freedom in Canada. And the way I look at a large issue like this is to break it down to its simplest form. And the simplest freedom I can imagine is an animal in its natural habitat in good good times when their food is plentiful. And that's what freedom looks like when they don't have a natural excuse me, predator chasing them when they are able to find the food they need. They have freedom all day long. They can get up and go where they want to go. They can sit down and rest whenever they want to rest. They can go get a drink if they want a drink. They can relieve themselves. Um, They can travel to any area. You know, maybe they get an urge to climb up that hill. They have the freedom to do that or to walk down to that stream. They have a freedom to do that. Um, That is pretty much absolute freedom as far as this world will allow. They still have basic needs that they have to tend to. Food, water, shelter, safety. Um, If they have young, protecting their young and raising their young. uh, There are certain obligations that are inescapable in this world. But let's use that as a benchmark for absolute freedom. 
and let's compare our lives to that. Is food readily available and we don't have to worry? We can just reach out and take food whenever we want. The answer is absolutely not. Uh, maybe you have a garden. Maybe you have fruit trees. Good for you. Good job. Uh, you do have a little bit of freedom in that sense. Absolute freedom in the sense of food would be that you could provide, you could sustain your own needs, but you would still have to tend that garden. So even your own garden is a minor loss of freedom. But how would we grade that if your freedom, absolute freedom is a baseline of a thousand points, then tending your garden would subtract from that, let's say, it's very little inconvenience, let's say 50 to 100 points. Now, when you have a job to go to to pay for that food, that is a major, major impact on your freedom for a significant portion of your day. You cannot go where you want. You cannot do what you want. You have sold yourself as a slave, and that's the best way to understand a job, is you're selling yourself as a slave for a set period of time in that day where you do not have autonomy over yourself. You have given yourself, rented yourself out to another for a purpose, for their purpose, not for yours. So when you are working to provide for yourself, out of a baseline of a thousand points, you probably sold 600 or more, depending on the hours you work. In my job, honest to goodness, I am running over 800 points because I'm at my job all the time. You know, I have that day and a half off, but that day and a half isn't free time. It's doing all the other things in uh, having a house and all the rest that. I have to look after. So my freedom is darn near at zero. That's the reality. I have very, very little freedom in my life. But let's say your job takes eight hours and you still have roughly four hours in your day where you're allowed to go about doing the things that matter to you, tending to your own needs. Um, so we, on a typical day, you take 800 points off for your job, or sorry, 600, and that leaves you 400 available points in the day. Now, if you have children, obligations arise out of that. Um, feeding them, clothing them, sheltering them, picking them up, dropping them off, yada, yada, um, 50 to 100 points per child per day. And that brings you up to 800 points. Now, unfortunately, when all is said and done, left in a day, you have under 200 points remaining of freedom to truly do the things that you desire to do. And the typical person gives that, that little slice of freedom to the television set where they're not free. The television set is truly an indoctrination tool. 
It's, it exists to, con to conform you and to cause you to think and behave in certain ways. So essentially, if we're plugged into the television set in that little slice of freedom that we have, um, there is no freedom left in our lives. And it's using that little slice of freedom to program us so that we think and act and behave in certain ways. And this is how they are able to enslave us more and more and more. When I was a young person, I could drive off into the country wherever I want. I could bring my dirt bike out there and ride pretty much anywhere I wanted. I, you know, we, we typically didn't wear helmets back then. The richer kids who had more money bought helmets because it was smart, but it, it really wasn't enforced. Uh, bicycles, there was no law for helmets. There was no law for um, insuring your motorcycles. Uh, they were off-road vehicles. It was your problem. If, you, if it broke, that was your, your problem. No one else's. Uh, today, you need a license in Canada to own a firearm. And we're having that uh, freedom infringed on more and more as guns are being banned. If you own what they call a... Um, Oh, what's the right word? I have a regular firearms license, but there's a restricted license and a restricted level of firearms, which would be assault rifles, AR-15 type rifles, and handguns. And if you own restricted firearms, the standard for transporting those is really, really difficult. They have to be locked and then locked inside of a carrying case and transported only from your home to the firing range where you shoot them and back to your home nowhere else. You can't stop at the grocery store on your way home. It's directly to your house, directly to the firing range, and that's the only place those guns can ever see the light. Um, it used to be I could take my rifles out into any part of the woods and start shooting. Now you have to go to a gun club. You have to be a member of a gun club. Um, you know, there's very, very little freedom left in terms of firearms. In terms of boats, anything with a motor, even a little rubber raft with a trolling motor on it, you need to have a license to operate a pleasure craft. You need to have insurance on your motorcycle. Um, there are many, many signs around where I live here in Kamloops where you're not allowed to go. Much of the woods around is, is blocked off. We're not allowed to go in there. Um, it's restricted areas for a various number of reasons. It, you know, it's getting to the point where we're allowed to go to work and we're allowed to go shopping. And that's pretty much it. Um, the boating license is an easy enough exam, and they send you a license in the mail. It expires in two years, and then you have to renew it or do it again or whatever. Um, there's so many rules, so many laws, you know, taxes on the miles you drive. They're doing that in Oregon. I imagine it will be spreading to other states and provinces over time. Um, bicycles are strictly controlled, electric bikes are controlled, 
uh, you know, it, it's to the point where if I said we had a thousand baseline points of freedom, um, where most of us are below a hundred actual points and it's getting less and less all the time. And it's really heartbreaking. It's really difficult to live in a society where, you know, you, you feel like you're locked in a cage and tied in a straitjacket, but everyone around you thinks that they're free. It's really bizarre. It's really sad. And I think that the majority of people don't have enough freedom to actually sit down and ponder just how much freedom they've lost. <laughs> That's the sad truth of it. If the power would go out and society would shut down and people would be forced into their homes, maybe it would compel them to spend some time thinking. Unfortunately, the fruit of this coronavirus lockdown so far has been people spending immeasurable amounts of time trying to get ping pong balls to bounce from one surface to another and land in a cup and other time-wasting commodities like that. I wish that people would use this opportunity to sit down and ponder the meaning of life and ponder what is their purpose in this world. We all have one very short life to live. And when it's gone, it's gone. There's no taking any of it back. And I don't believe most people have the freedom to really sit down and ponder the big questions. And the little bit of freedom they do have is spent in front of the television set being programmed. It's very, very sad times we live in. And I, I believe the Lord's heart breaks for the people of this generation. There is a tremendous amount of wickedness and depravity, but there is also a tremendous lack of freedom and of understanding as well. And maybe you and I can play a part in waking them up and pointing out to them that they don't have freedom. They don't know freedom. And, you know, unless they meet Jesus Christ, they will never know freedom. Jesus sets us free from this world, from the bondage and the slavery of this world. If we're walking in the flesh, then we truly are chained to all the restrictions and all the limitations of this world. And we will go from day to day as slaves. Even a Christian, even a born again saint can live in this world as a slave by setting their things on, on the cares of this life. But when you lift your eyes to heaven, when you set your mind on things above, all of a sudden you are free. And the, the matters of the flesh are irrelevant. Slavery in the flesh means nothing whatsoever because as we walk in the spirit, as we set our mind on things above, we are abiding in heavenly places where there is absolute freedom. And, and that is a beautiful gift that God has given to the elect. We can experience absolute freedom, the same as an animal walking in the woods, going wherever he pleases, we can abide with the Lord in absolute freedom. And if we're doing that, if we're taking advantage of the freedom that comes from abiding with Christ, then that slavery that is put upon the flesh, we don't feel it and we don't struggle with it. 
and we won't be pulled down and made bitter by it. Instead, we will be lifted up and refreshed, and we will be able to have peace and joy in a world that is becoming increasingly miserable. I hope this encourages you to lift your eyes up, set your mind on things above, because up there we have absolute freedom. Whereas down here, I don't think most of us have more than a scratch of freedom left in our lives. Thanks for joining me today. God bless and take care of you and your family.